The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So last week, um, we talked a little bit about delusion, kind of an overview of delusion, how it, how it functions in our minds. Um, and this is in, in the um, uh, third foundation of mindfulness, this aspect of um, looking at whether delusion, to, delusion is present or absent is, um, to me, this is a very crucial part of our practice when we can recognize that delusion is present that 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 is that is um, a really supportive uh, understanding because then we begin to understand when our mind is trustworthy and when it's not trustworthy. When our mind is caught by a particular perspective, a deluded perspective in particular, um, the the delusion the deluded perspective is taking what is impermanent to be permanent. What is unreliable to be reliable, what is not self to be self. It tends to be caught by views and unaware that it's caught by views. It's looking at experience from a particular perspective and not aware that it is holding a perspective and that it takes that perspective to be truth. So the, those are, those are uh, ways that delusion functions. And there's a lot of different things that we can tease apart and explore in our minds. But the beginning to recognize that this is a very uh, common way for our mind to function. That it will take a perspective of you and not see that it is observing, experiencing from that view, from that perspective. This is is human. It's... um, it's not uh, personal. It seems very connected with how our organism is put together. And in some ways, some of the functions that uh, help us to survive kind of use these um, I know, these processes of mind that we tend to, to get, get stuck or caught in believing that they are true as opposed to that they are a perspective. So the, the, the um, you know, for example, the uh, taking a particular view or a particular kind of orienting to experience from a particular perspective. And this is the piece I really, I think I, I said it would be useful to start with today to look Look at views, you know, look at um, the perspective of uh, delusion from kind of our own personal conditioning, the, the views, the perspectives the, uh, that our system, our own personal lives have been conditioned by and how we, um, um, we may not see that it is just a perspective take it and we take it to be a truth. We take it to be what is actually uh, the, the nature of experience or the nature of the world rather than just a per- perspective. And so the, um, 
and yet this, this, this kind of taking perspectives is useful for us. The mind that can see things from a particular perspective can help us to accomplish things, can help us to um, um, figure certain things out. Where the delusion comes in is not that we take a perspective and use a perspective, but when we believe that perspective to be representative of reality, when we do not see outside of that perspective. So, um, you know, the classic teaching story about this in the, in the suttas is the story of the blind people and the elephant. Are you, are you familiar with this story? Anybody not familiar, you know, just, uh, okay. So I will, I will recap it. Um, you might, you might recognize it. Um, it's, it's something I heard, I don't know, when I was a kid, I think, you know, it was, it was, uh, brought in as a teaching story in some fashion. Um, and then I learned uh, that it comes from the Buddha's teachings. It's a, it's a teaching story that's, that's offered in the suttas. And so the story goes that there's a, um, a king that um, kind of wants to, sounds like he wants to be entertained from the way the, the, uh, the story is written and asks his, um, his elephant trainer to bring an elephant and to gather the people who are blind in the kingdom. And the, um, the, uh, they, the, the, they bring them together and then the king says, okay, show each blind person what the elephant is. And to some of the blind people, um, the trainer showed like they put their, their hands on the foot, the leg of the elephant. Others got to touch the tail and the tuft of the tail. Others, the ears, others, the side of the elephant. And, uh, you know, so on and on, you know, that the, at each blind person got to experience a different part of the elephant. And at each time they were told, this is an elephant. I think this is important. This is a piece of the story and how it works for us in our minds. So they were, they, you know, the, the blind people who were touching the foot. This is the elephant. And, um, and so afterwards, they, they, uh, the, the king says, okay, describe what's an elephant. And um, some people, the, the people who touched the foot said, well, an elephant is like a post. And the people who had touched the side of the elephant said, the elephant is like the side of a storeroom. The people who touched the tail, well, no, the elephant's more like a broom. And, um, and, and, and with that, they started arguing, fighting with each other. No, you're wrong. An elephant's not like this. An elephant's like this. Um, and so the, they, um, um, they essentially were holding to their perspective. And it's not wrong to say that a part of an elephant is like a post or a part of an elephant is like the side of a storeroom. And so it's, it's you know, the, the, I think the teaching story has a number of pieces to it. One is the kind of way that we, when we're told, you know, so this is, this is X, this is what something is, this is the way the world is. And we've experienced something 
this and, and this is an important piece of when we've experienced something. So these the, the the blind people had their own experience of elephant. And we tend to reify or to kind of we trust our own experience. And we also tend to, it's not just trust our experience, we tend to kind of narrow to that experience. So that we don't necessarily um, expand our mind beyond, well, maybe, maybe there is a part of an elephant that I've not explored before that is like a broom or that is like the side of a storeroom. That there's, there's that narrowing of, no, this is what I experience. This is what's true. And that's where the delusion is. Not that we take a perspective or say, yeah, that this was my experience. An elephant is like a post. The part of the elephant, the piece of the elephant I touched is like a post. That's useful. That can be useful for us in, you know, the ways that we um, navigate our world. That it can be useful to uh, have this capacity to narrow down to, well, this is what I experienced and this is how to navigate that part of experience. But to um, uh, think that that's the way the whole of experience is, that's where the delusion comes in. To not admit that there might be another piece of experience. So in the in the case of the blind people and the elephant, you know, if if they had instead instead of saying no, I'm right, you're wrong, they'd said, "Huh, that's interesting. My experience was this. Tell me about your experience." And and you know, and and that they had actually had a conversation. They might have been able to through conversation come up with a different picture, a more uh, full picture of what an elephant is. And I'd say that the, the other piece of it that I pointed to that the, the elephant trainer said with each person, this is the elephant. You know, in a way, the, uh, the um, kind of priming people to interpret their experience as being the complete picture. And this is, this is also how our conditioning works. You know, when we grow up in our lives, we are given the message. The way our family is, this is the right way. This is the way families are. You know, it's, so, it's kind of like, it's almost an implicit message. The conditioning that we're getting is the way the world is. And so then we, you know, we kind of collapse our, uh, view of the world down to that. So I think it's um, the views, the, the cultural views, the, the, the views that we have been conditioned by. What, we, what, what is helpful, I think, is to begin to uh, recognize what our conditioning is, what our views are. I talked about this a little bit last time in, you know, when there is suffering. Um, and these, these kind of views, I'd say, these kind of personal views or cultural views, they're going to probably not be experienced as suffering 
unless or until those views are challenged in some way. Um, so the, um, you, know, you know, just the view of, it's simple views. I mean, it's, it's the, we have so many views about what experience is. So like there's a, culturally we grow up for instance with a simple perspective or view of how close you stand to somebody that you don't know how much eye contact you make with somebody you don't know, um, whether you touch somebody that you don't know or not, how you touch somebody that you don't, that there's all kinds of ways that we've absorbed these views. And um, for myself, you know, that when I started traveling in a lot of different countries, I began to experience some discomfort in different countries with different kind of conditionings around these simple things about how you engage with somebody you don't know. So, so the, the, the view of how close you stand to somebody, you know, doesn't particularly create suffering until it's a different way of engaging might, you know, show up. So again, this is a simple example or, or just a kind of an example that demonstrates the principle a little bit. So when uh, a particular view that we hold is challenged, then there'll be some suffering around it. And that, that when there's suffering, you know, when there is suffering happening, there's some kind of a view, some kind of delusion happening, some kind of a view that's being held That is, that is essentially being um, run up against, that view is being run up against. And, and the, the, the suffering may feel, may be something like, well, that's not what's supposed to be happening. That's not the right way to be in a situation or uh, what's wrong with me? Uh, you know, this is, this is, this doesn't feel right. So there's, there's, there's some kind of suffering. And whenever there's a kind of suffering, like um, there is some kind of a view happening. And so it can be useful to just simply recognize, okay, there's suffering happening. There's, there's a version going on. There's um, um, a wanting something else to be happening going on. So noticing that, but then sometimes it can be useful to also checking, well, what's being believed here? You know, especially when there's a, a sense of uh, right, wrong, you know, if right, wrong is kind of a part of the, of the feeling of the suffering, you know, what's happening is not supposed to be happening or should, shouldn't, if there's that kind of story in the mind can be really useful to be curious about, well, what is the view that's being held here? What, and, and to recognize that it is a view to begin to, to, um, be curious about it as a view. And, you know, deeper than that, it can be interesting to explore what has shaped that view. How has that view for me come to be? And as we begin to recognize and understand what we take to be true as a view, as a belief, and as conditioned, then our minds start to expand to 
hold different possibilities, to hold different, the possibility of different perspectives. And so the, the, the seeing of the suffering can sometimes encourage us to be curious about the views we're holding and then to be curious about how those views came to be. And we also can begin to recognize through that exploration that a piece of the third foundation, the exploration of the third foundation in the, um, the Satipatthana Sutta with every instruction, every uh, meditation instruction in the third foundation also has a corresponding refrain that's kind of repeated with every uh, instruction. And um, one of the pieces of that refrain we've talked about, we talked about it a number of weeks ago in this group, is to reflect or be aware internally and externally. Where internally means our own experience or one way to understand internally. There's not really a clear consensus on what internally and externally means. But um, the general uh, commentarial understanding is that internal means our own experience. And external means the experience of others. And so we may also start to be curious about the views of others. And so, you know, that, that when there is a conflict in particular between people, between groups of people, there could be a curiosity about what our own views are, but then also a curiosity about what other views are what the views of the other perspective are and how those came to be conditioned. As we can understand and see and internally that our own perspective is a view and is conditioned, we can begin to have a, um, a more compassionate connection perhaps to recognizing, well, and other people's views are also conditioned. They're also a perspective and they're also conditioned. And so there's, there's maybe a little bit more willingness to um, be curious about how these different perspectives came to be. And maybe how the conflict between different perspectives could be navigated as opposed to Everybody has to come to see it my way. That that's going to end up in endless conflict. With everybody feeling like everybody has to see it my way, there's no kind of way for a navigation around conflict to happen. But what might be, you know, what might be the possibility of um, kind of curiosity? And 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 you know, I I can't say what the result in any particular situation would be and how that conflict would get navigated. But I do see in my own internal experience when there's conflict internally, when I simply kind of get curious about it rather than trying to come up with a, well, that part of the that part of the mind, that's the bad part. This part of the mind, this is the good part. So the good part needs to somehow figure out how to get rid of the bad part. You know, when that's what's going on, it continues to stay stuck. But when I explore it from like, oh, maybe I can just hold this part that feels conflicted and st stuck and angry and annoyed and maybe just be with that and see what happens. There's a kind of a, a transformation that happens with that. 
that things shift in ways that I never could have predicted or never would have thought of. And so possibly the same thing can happen with different perspectives and different views that uh, if we can hold those perspectives with some degree of this curiosity and mindfulness, what is this perspective here? And, you know, externally, what is the perspective there? That, that will probably require some conversation. The, um, uh, the understanding around exploring mind states externally, um, you know, that the, the suttas actually point in another place other than the Satipatthana Sutta about exploring the states of mind of others. And, you know, they, they point to four different ways you can do that. One of those is psychic powers. Most of us don't have that. Uh, but the other three are the, just the simple, like, um, noticing what the person looks like. Noticing what they're saying, the tone of voice of what they're saying. Those things can reveal the state of mind of someone else. And, you know, and, and the conversation that, you know, we can have a conversation to help understand what's going on in somebody else's mind. And so this too, this is a, this is a part of this external exploration. And I think it's an important part for us in our, in our lives the mindfulness internally is just a piece of the practice. Being available and aware of what's happening for others and understanding that they too have been conditioned. They too, are, you know, there's so much compassion that arises as we begin to understand our own conditioning and how painful our own conditioning is. That when we begin reflecting on the conditioning of others, the mind states of others, that compassion can be more available. And so the, um, just to come back to the delusion piece, um, not seeing that a view is a view, that's the delusion. When we can recognize, oh, this is a view happening, essentially we're, we're kind of bursting the bubble of that delusion enough that we can say or see the mind is being influenced by a perspective by a view and this is filtering how i'm taking in information so that's a way that we begin to be able to see delusion at work Seeing um, seeing delusion uh, is not easy. I mean, by its very nature, delusion obscures. Um, that's its kind of quality, you know, that, that when delusion is operating, we don't see a view as a view. But we can through through practice, through, uh, hearing teachings about delusion, we can begin to recognize, oh yeah, I know this is how my mind works. And we can begin to see, oh, this is a view. Even just that, seeing something as a view instead of taking it to be true, that's kind of recognizing delusion operating. That's seeing, oh, this, this mind is taking this perspective 
And then there can be times when we see a particular view or, or, or a perspective fall away entirely. And then it's, there's, a, there's the recognition of, wow, I, you know, I didn't even know it was possible to experience the world not from that perspective. And there's a, a whole different perspective that comes in. Sometimes those, uh, those kind of a very broadening experience, uh, kind of a sense of the mind kind of expanding to take in more than we uh, thought was available or more than we thought was possible. This, this kind of experience in my, in my practice, this kind of experience happened more around the, um, the understandings of impermanent, unreliable, not self. That the mind beginning to recognize that it was taking things to be permanent or taking things to be reliable or, and then not, and seeing how that is just a view that, that it's a perspective that the mind picks up that things are kind of stable and it's useful for the mind to pick up and take things as stable for a little while, but that we hold that as being what is true, that this thing is stable. That's the delusion. But then when we can see that, uh, no, actually, nothing is stable. There's a different um, kind of understanding in the mind that kind of is it's, it's, it's very mind-blowing at times. And so the mind kind of expands to see things from a radically different perspective and often experiences a kind of a release or a relief around the suffering that had been associated with that mistaken perspective. And so we have those experiences of seeing without that view. And um, sometimes it seems really clear, really obvious in a way, you know, when delusion isn't there, it's like, how could I not see this? It's so obvious that that was a view and that this is that, that experience is not only that but then the delusion comes back but when it has fallen away i mean if you're if you're if we're not kind of um just frustrated by the fact that we're in this space of delusion again, when the delusion comes back, there is the, the kind of the difference, the different quality in the mind, the recognition of the mind has seen something from a different perspective, has seen something without that delusion. And so when the delusion comes back, we can much more clearly know, yep, this is the mind that is caught by delusion. So again, really able to recognize the presence of delusion. So that's a piece around delusion. I, I, I um, in particular noticing the, the way views, that, that we've been shaped by views, uh, affects how we receive experience. You know, back to that example of the elephant, you know, if you have the, 
kind of the real strong view that the post, the, you know, the experience of the foot, that that is an elephant. If somebody points out the tail of the elephant, you're going to say, well, that's not an elephant. You know, if, if you have a very strong view, now the, 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 the um, different levels of views, you know, if, if, you, if you just, if somebody said, well, this is a part of the elephant and you felt that, uh, and then they say, well, this is another part of the elephant, then it's like, oh, well, that's easy to kind of separate the, the mind can recognize, well, that was just one part of the elephant and maybe even, well, what more is, is there? Um, so the, the, um, uh, the mind that kind of solidifies or takes the view to be true has trouble when evidence is presented to the contrary, has trouble taking in, you know, in fact, might not even see that information. You know, our minds will, because of a perspective, we will screen in certain things and screen out other things. We tend to, and this is another kind of ordinary function of our mind that tends to um, take in information, confirmation bias is the kind of nor- the, the psychological term that's used for it now, that when we hold a view, we tend to take in information that confirms that view. And on the flip side, we do not take information in that disconfirms that view. And so knowing that that is how our minds tend to work, we can, knowing that we're holding a view, be curious about searching for things that might disconfirm that view instead of uh, just dismissing them. So actually being curious about that. This is, this is a way in which, you know, kind of um, science works. Science creates a hypothesis and then tries to confirm it, but also looks for things to disconfirm it. Good, good science looks on both sides. And this is, you know, for our own experience, it's useful to, uh, to recognize that our minds have this tendency. So seeing, oh, this is a view, and we, we're tending to look through that view. If we're aware that we're looking for a view, then we may be able to notice that there's things out there that don't confirm that view. So that's probably enough right now for me. So I'm curious, uh, questions or thoughts or comments about this? You're welcome to unmute yourselves. Yeah, Bruce. Happy 2021, everybody. Um, when I got out of college, I was uh, I had a job in a psych hospital. And I was on a locked unit with 25 beds. And the way you could tell the staff from the patients was the staff had the keys. But one of the things that's tripping me up is that word delusion, because, I mean, the people I worked with at this psych hospital, 
they really had delusions. I mean, um, in the classic psychotic sense of like auditory hallucinations, thinking yeah. people were talking about them, um, thinking that they were Jesus Christ, uh, you know, and they were driving their families bonkers by essentially being bonkers, you know? And so this word delusion for me, and I know it rolls off the tongue of the Dharma teachers. They like to talk about greed, hatred, and delusion. Those three, they go together so nicely. But as a word, it, 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 it's just hard to, it, it's hard for me to, to grasp like, on sort of a practical level. I mean, views is, is a little more helpful, but is there any like, are there any other like synonyms for like delusion that get at what it is you're talking about? Cause I'm, I'm look, I'm, I'm sure I've got plenty of them, Andrea, like day and night, you know what I mean? 24 seven, but just in trying to understand what what this concept of delusion is versus versus my psych yeah. hospital version right yeah i mean the, the the psych the psych version the psychotic kind of version um you know that's an extreme version of delusion it is taking the, the view, for instance, that people are talking to them who aren't there, you know, that, that you know, there, there are, um, you know, messages coming from space aliens or whatever, that it's still, it's still a view that's taken to be true. And it is uh, outside of our normal kind of um, mental kind of world, um, in our normal world. But it is, it's kind of like an, ex, it's, it's an extreme end of what the mind does already. And so the, the, um, um, you know, the taking uh, experience to be permanent or, um, um, or reliable, you know, those those um, aspects of delusion that that taking what is impermanent to be permanent, you know, that's a kind of a, a, a natural part of our minds that will stabilize or solidify what's out there, attributing a permanence to it. You know, like this house that I'm in right now. You know, it looks pretty solid, looks pretty stable. We did have a conversation about this at one point earlier in the in the series, I think. Um, and yet, you know, so the attribution of the stability there may have me um, like a landing on, okay, I can, I can trust this. This is trustable. This house is trustable. It will be here for me always. And I put my happiness on being able to come home to this house. You know, that that's where happy, you know, happiness is that kind of that feeling that I've got that stable place to land creates a happiness. Um, but, you know, even a little bit of reflection and, you know, thinking about this past year and the various forms of impermanence that we've been experiencing, you know, this house is unstable in that 
it easily could collapse in an earthquake. It could be burned down in a fire. And I don't, I can't rely on it in the, in that kind of more long lasting way. So the attribution that I can rely on it for happiness, that's where the delusion comes in. Not that I come home to it and, and can live in it and, you know, have some measure of safety and security here. But the, the kind of the relying on peace, the kind of the attribution of some kind of, um, of permanence or reliability to experience. And so with views, again, the views themselves are not problematic. It is the taking the view as this is the way it is. And that, that happens to us. Kind of, it's easier in some ways when um, we're not psychotic, you know, to have these views pointed out to us that this is a view. Um, you know, the how close you stand to somebody when you don't know them, you know, that's a view. And, you know, that, that, that you can have that pointed out to you and recognize, okay, well, the discomfort I have when I meet somebody from a different culture who stands at a different distance or touches me or, you know, makes a certain like of eye contact, the discomfort there, that's conditioned based on that view. Um, so that there, there can be a little bit of expanding of the, uh, um, of the mind to not hold to that view as this is what human beings should do. If human beings are not doing this, then they need to be locked up. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's kind of the, you know, the, the extreme version. You know, if human beings aren't behaving in this way, then they're crazy, um, you know, or, you know, or something. And, and so the, the um, you know, the, the perspective or the, the views that are held by people that are psychotic, you know, basically, you know, they are, they are, it's like the, the view is held so strongly that they are not able to see, oh, this is a view or this is a perspective, but it's, it's fundamentally the same. I think it's the same process. It's just way more extreme and also potentially has some, um, uh, um, brain chemistry that's different, you know, so something actually different in the physicality of the brain. Although the, you know, the psychosis, I mean, I've seen in my own, in meditative experience, you can touch into states that are very close or similar in some ways to what is experienced in psychosis. Um, I remember having experiences of hearing voices in my deep states of concentration. Now I understood that it was a construction of the mind. So I didn't take it to be, there's somebody speaking to me from beyond, some alien is speaking to me, or my, my dead grandmother has come back to, to give me a message. You know, I'm not interpreting in that way. I understood it as this is the mind creating this in this state. What I think happened, so that's, that's understanding it as a conditioned, unreliable, impermanent phenomenon, not self. Um, 
with, uh, with psychosis, you know, when those things happen, it's taken to be, you know, there's an interpretation put on it. And, you know, when we hear voices, you know, it could be the interpretation is aliens or the interpretation is ancestors or the interpretation is I'm channeling an, an angelic being or, you know, it could be many of those things. And if, you know, that's the experience and the, this actually is a point in, um, in one of the suttas, it's in the Diginikaya, the first sutta in the Diginikaya has a whole bunch of ways that our mind creates views, different ways that the mind creates views. And some of the stickiest ones are ones that happen out of our direct experience and out of a deeply concentrated state of mind. And so if you go into a deeply concentrated state of mind and start hearing a Dharma talk, you know, for, you know, you know, the mind, the, 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 you know, creates a Dharma talk and starts giving a Dharma talk and interprets that as the Buddha is speaking to me. You come out of that meditation and, you know, maybe you think that the Buddha has given you a talk, you know, and, and that, that was the direct experience. Perhaps that was the feeling of the experience that the Buddha was giving you a talk and then coming out of the state you know, that that might be um, the view is that I have access to hearing the Buddha give me a talk when I go into that place. And this is what the Buddha said. So the, you know, the, the, um, the states of concentration can create experiences that are very compelling. And I think the state of psychosis creates experiences that are very compelling. They, they are completely real to the person in that state. And likewise, in the state of concentration, that the experience seems so compelling. And so it doesn't seem like it's conditioned based on factors coming together. You know, it's like, this is true. And so coming out of that experience, we can reify that as well, this is the truth then. And then there's a, there can be a real stickiness of the view, a stickiness that, that just cannot be dislodged. And so that's the, the strength of the delusion, I think, is the strength of that stickiness. And so in the psychotic place, the stickiness is so strong that it can, there, there can't be a convincing that, no, this is just your mind making this up. It is so powerful. The experience is so tangible or real that, that it, it becomes very uh, much believed. But the, so the, the, the kind of the level of delusion that we have, it's like a range. So I'm not changing the word for you, but I'm just trying to clarify a little bit, you know, so that essentially, you know, my sense is that views or perspectives are where the delusion tends to take root. And it is based on how much we believe or stick to those views that the strength of the delusion is. So it's the, it's the kind of the believing or the stickiness of that view that is the, the delusion, not the view itself. Because we can have views and use views without having delusion about that they are views. We can pick them up as useful and put